We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 269. Our guest today comes from a long line of equestrians, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, you name it. There is a heavy influence of equestrian sport. She is a show jumper and had a very illustrious junior career, especially in the equitation and junior jumpers, and now is a professional alongside her family with North Star Ventures. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Charlotte Jacobs. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're like right in the middle of setting up for a horse show. So I appreciate you taking you're a minute. Fine. Of course. I'm happy to be on. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in the horse world. Um, So I come from a big horse family. My parents rode, my grandparents rode, my cousins ride, my aunts and uncles ride. So I was kind of born into it. I've been going to WEF since I was a little girl, um, since I was born, and my parents both rode there, and my grandparents bought one of the first areas of land in Wellington, um, which is Deerage Farms, and so I was really, I was brought up in the industry, and I'm very lucky that I come from a horsey family. Everybody's still very, very involved, so, so it's really, really nice. Awesome. Obviously, like you said, you come from a family full of equestrians. What is that dynamic like? It's great. You know, there's obviously ups and downs, but there's a lot more positives you know, of having family members involved than I think there are negatives. Having a family that sort of, quote unquote, gets it um, makes a huge difference in this industry. You know, they understand that not every day is going to be perfect and just because you buy a horse thinking it'll work out doesn't mean it'll always work out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they're, they're more than supportive of every idea I've ever had. And, you know, I think in this sport, it goes miles because you don't, you need people like that in your corner. So to have people that are your family that are also in your corner is, it makes a huge difference. So it's great. Totally. Do you ever feel like, you have maybe like extra pressure to succeed because they do they, they you know they've been through it and they know it kind of like pressure to make a big career out of your riding yeah I mean like I put a lot of pressure on myself to sure. do really well but no like I mean my parents when I reached the end of my junior career I was going away to college and they were like you know if you find something you're passionate about in school like do that mm. you know do do that but the horses are there if you want to ride you can ride if you want to turn professional you can turn professional it's sort of you know do it at your own pace and and do it to the highest level that you feel comfortable it's never been you know you have to do have to do it well and you have to you know succeed they they just want you know for them it's just been a, a joy having horses in their life and you know having family do it as well. So that's all they want for me, for me as well. Were you ever kind of on the fence as far as what you wanted to do um, kind of for your career? Yeah. You know, I, when I was a junior, I was like, didn't want to go to college. I wanted to be homeschooled for high school. All I wanted to do was ride. So 
when I went to school, I was very hesitant and I started school. I went to SMU my freshman year of college and I liked it. It just wasn't the place for me, basically. Uh, so I actually transferred to the University of Miami to be closer to my horses. And I ended up just like really falling in love with the school and the whole college life. And so I did take a bit of a step back from riding and um, I was still, you know, doing the amateurs and had a hunter and just doing it for fun, really. And I think that was mentally like really nice to sort of take a step back and do it at a different pace and at a different level. And, you know, then reset basically after I graduated college, I went and worked for a year and I was still riding. I was, you know, doing the amateur hunters, and amateur jumpers. And then it was just like every day I was like missing my horses more and more and more. And I was like, you know what? I want to do this. Like, I just want to ride. That's all I want to do. I want to ride full time. And my parents were like, of course, like, you know, come home, start riding again, please. We miss you. basically. And so it was great. But I mean, I'm happy I went through that sort of process of Mm -hmm. finding the horses again. Totally. And speaking of your family, you together operate North Star Sport Horses. Tell us about kind of like what you do there, what your roles are, and a little bit about what it's like balancing your riding and then being part of the family business. Yeah. So my mom started North Star. We started North Star around 2010, and she was sort of the brains behind it all. She really wanted to start investing in younger horses in foals, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, everything. Um, So we started North Star and she dove straight into the deep end and started buying foals. And she really, like, she has a serious passion for young horses. And so she was the one that sort of got us all into it. And yeah, she started developing them. And I started riding a few four-year-olds and five-year-olds, which was in the beginning, really different. Um, I, at the time I had older horses only, so it was Mm. strange. And yeah, I mean, we keep buying foals. We keep, we still are buying younger horses. A lot of them, you know, that we've bought as foals have now gone on. They're, you know, 10 years old is the oldest group and they've gone on to be nice hunters, nice jumpers, Mm -hmm. reputation horses, a lot of things. So, you know, we, we sell some, we keep some and I'm, very lucky to be involved in it where, you know, I get to ride a lot. I get to be involved in the sales part of it. So it's, it's great. It's really, it's nice to have a family business. Of course, you know, like I said earlier, it comes with challenges, but at the end of the day, you're working with family. So it's, it's nice. Obviously throughout the course of your career, especially your junior years, you've had experience in the equitation and the hunter and the jumper rings. Do you feel like you have you know, certain experiences and advantages that you gained from all different rings. I, I think it's safe to say you love the jumpers, but what have you kind of learned from the equitation and hunter rings that you feel like have really like carried over to your success in the jumper ring? For me, like I, I truly believe like I owe most of my success the time I spent in the equitation ring. It's so beneficial. And for me, I think it would be great if every young rider could do it it really, it teaches you discipline, a proper seat, teaches you to deal with pressure and you learn how to be competitive. And I trained with Missy Clark and John Brennan growing up and 
they were really, they gave me such a great base and such a great start to my career. And they teach you how to dig deep and, you know, really be competitive in what, whatever you're doing, whether it be the hunters, the jumpers, the equitation. And it, it was really great. I mean, the, the equitation was, was something I'll forever value and speak very highly of. Mm-hmm. And the jumpers, you know, obviously I, I love being in the jumper ring. I think sort of the competition style of the jumpers is something that really appeals to me. I have spent a lot of time in the hunter ring as well. I do like in the hunters, I love developing the hunters. I love having a younger hunter and bringing them along. I think for me, that's sort of a little bit of a hobby passion of mine. Definitely. And I think you've had just such a wonderful opportunity of growing up in a horse family, which isn't the case for, you know, other, maybe other equestrians. So what would you say is kind of your take on accessibility in the equestrian sport? And how do you think we could make it more accessible for young up and coming riders? I know you were mentioning, it would be so awesome to have every young rider have the opportunity to go through the equitation. So what's your kind of take on the accessibility of the sport? I think the accessibility in some aspects is is really great. And, you know, in the equitation, growing up, I had when I was at John and Missy's, I had three or four, maybe even five of the kids there were working students, mm-hmm. and she was really great and gave them plenty of opportunities. And I think it's it's something that needs to be continued. But I do think you know it's something that is also a big challenge for the sport at the minute. And trying to, you know, make things more accessible, especially, you know, in America, being being based in Ireland over the summertime, you see how accessible it is like for a lot of people and how accessible it could be, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in America. You know, you don't really get a lot of people that are just coming in on the weekends and doing it as a hobby and, um, you know, bringing one horse, one of their young horses to the show because it's very, very expensive and, and it's not something that you can just say, oh, I'm just going to, you know, pop down to WEF for, right. for the weekend and spend Saturday, Sunday and jump my young horse. You know, it's not, it's not as easy as it, as it is in, in Ireland or in mainland Europe. It's, and that's, I think why you see so many other horses getting developed over here is, you know, the horses need the miles and they need to go to shows. Sure. And when you go to shows here, you're paying a lot less than you would in America. So it's, it's difficult. Um, but I do think, Amer- you know, the USCF and they are making great strides in trying to make it work and mm-hmm. seeing the issue in it and addressing it, which is great. So hopefully in the next few years, things change a little bit. Definitely. You obviously like over the past several years have had experience with you know, older, more experienced horses growing up and then a ton of experience with younger horses. What would you say? I mean, obviously there are differences. What would you say is like the biggest difference in your approach to riding a younger horse versus, you know, like greener horse versus one that's maybe like a little bit more experienced? Right. No, I think, I think riding young horses, it, it differs a lot, obviously from older, older horses, because you, you really have to teach yourself patience and it's sometimes it's difficult and you get frustrated and but you have to remember like what you're asking them to do you they've never had that before 
And so mm-hmm. they've never, they've never been asked some, sometimes, you know, they've never had a bit in their mouth. They've never had a saddle on their backs. They've never had a human on them. So it's like each step, like you just have to take day by day by day and like work with them slowly and really be patient because, you know, otherwise you're, it's upset, it's going to upset them. I mean, it's like working, being with a toddler, you know, and, and if you discipline them wrong once they, it could damage them down the line. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's great at working with young horses at the same time, because when you, when they do get it, it's really, really rewarding because mm. they start to understand and you're like, oh, you actually do know what I'm talking about <laughs> or not talking about. Yeah. You do know what I'm trying to ask you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and then they do it and you're like, you know, they, they get it. So it's good. Definitely. I don't know about you, but whenever a horse friend or barn mate or trainer's birthday rolls around, I always struggle to think of the perfect gift. I always want something that really exemplifies the equestrian lifestyle. And recently I started ordering gifts and yes, some pieces for myself because the stuff is so cute from Horse Scout Design. Horse Scout Design is the home of equestrian lifestyle gifts and homewares online. At Horse Scout Design, you can find products with super unique design prints by talented artists and photographers, or you can honestly personalize your own pieces through a photo of your horse or a design that you want to create for yourself, family, and any horse or animal lover in your life. I have so many cool blankets and throws. Um, I have a dog bed. There are so many options at Horse Scout Design that you can really personalize and really make a normal everyday homeware piece have the equestrian lifestyle vibe that you are going for. So for more information, visit their website at horsescoutdesign.com. I feel like a a big skill set of top riders is to be able to go from horse to horse and really just kind of force yourself to have a blank slate and be able to ride each horse differently instead of kind of sticking to your ride and having the horses adapt to it. I think that that's something that you have to do really well. So how do you kind of approach that in your program of riding each mount differently? Yeah. So it's something that I really had to teach myself sort of later in my career, because growing up, I had a lot of horses that were very similar. Um, And now I have horses that are very different from their rideability to amount of blood to size, everything. So I think it's really great. And it's, it was hard in the beginning, but it really, it makes you be a better rider Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And yeah, I mean, just taking it step by step and spending plenty of time with them at home and really getting to know them so that if the horse is having a bad day, you understand how to, you know, react to it. And mm-hmm. you know, what sort of what makes each one of them tick. Each horse is different. So, you know, what works with a bigger horse isn't going to work with a smaller horse or a big strided horse versus a small stride horse or a quiet horse versus a hot horse. So mm-hmm. it's just learning them and, and trying to figure it out and really, you know, taking it step by step and day by day. I heard that recently you jumped in your very first international five-star class. Yeah. How <laughs> was that? Like, were you freaking out? Did it feel yeah. like you, what you've done before? Like what, tell me, give me the full lowdown. 
Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I like I had no intention of jumping in a five star this summer, to be honest. Yeah. And um, it wasn't on plan. It wasn't even in like my goals of 2022. And so it it actually worked out. I was meant to go to a three star show and I actually didn't get into the show. And then I just was like, you know what? Hickstead is a six hour drive for us. I wonder if I'll get in. And so I applied. I called the manager of the show and she was like, yeah, you know what? Like, that would be great. And so I got into my first five star and it was just, yeah, it was crazy. But it was just sort of one of those moments where it was like, all right, everything happens for a reason. Like I was meant Mm -hmm. to be at a three star show and I ended up going to one of the best shows in the world. So it was was great. And I didn't really have too much time to like think about it all. Probably for the best. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It was like, it was just a bit of a whirlwind and it was like, all right, we're 10 days out. Got to like get the papers and Mm -hmm. organize everything. And so we were just, it was like all systems go my horses, like, like I said before, like I know them really, really well. And so I knew they would be ready for that. And my, my younger horse was qualified for Dublin. And so he got to jump on the grass and Hicks said before Dublin. So it was great preparation for him. And then my horse that I brought as my speed horse was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. He's only nine and he's never been to a show like that. Wow. Um, so he was great. He was placed in two classes. And then I jumped my first five-star Grand Prix, which wasn't even, it wasn't the plan. We were like, oh, we'll just go and jump the second classes. And then the week was going so well that it was just sort of momentum going into Sunday. And wow. And yeah, it was an incredible experience. And the show was amazing from the people to the facilities. It was it was a 10 out of 10. So I hope we get to go back. <laughs> oh, so cool. Yeah, it's like now you've just like, ripped the band-aid of your yeah, exactly. <laughs> international exactly. five-star classes and it's like okay you can do this yeah yeah it's over it's amazing over. It was, no it was great so hopefully we get to do a few more in the future but um no it was an incredible experience yeah what is one training tip that you wish that everyone would use more in their riding or something that you're you know that you like implement or you think is super important in your riding and your program Yeah. So something that we do a lot at home, which I think is great for all horses, young horses, older horses, sort of everything in between. Um, We do a lot of pole work. We do a lot of work with Cavalettis. You know, Greg Roderick is my trainer, but Mm he, we do a lot of pole work before the morning of a big class. And, you know, we'll wake up early and go out and flat the horse and he'll just scatter poles around the whole ring. And, you know, we'll do long four to a short four to a short, you know, and then a short five to a long three and really getting the horses moving up and down. And, and, you know, you can do that so much, you know, in your flat work, but then I think when you add the pole element, it's almost like having a jump in there. Mm -hmm. And so you get the sort of workings of a jump without actually the harshness of a jump. Wasting jumps. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that a lot at home and during the week, they just put poles and cavalettis out in some of the rings and it's, it's great. And I think it really makes you work the horses and without even really having to think about it. So it's great. As the summer is winding down, I'd love to know kind of like what is next for you? What are the goals that you have for the rest of the year? And then looking into 2023. 
Yeah. So my big goals for this year already were to jump for Team USA, which I did earlier in the year. So that was like a massive goal, not only for the year, but like a lifetime goal. Mm -hmm. And so that was great. And it was a huge check off a box and hopefully we get to do it again. But um, my other big goal was to qualify for Dublin, which we did. Um, And then my last goal was to qualify for the finals in Lonakin, which is the Young Horse Championships. And they have you go through two days of qualifying and there's like 300 horses and then only like 40 get into the final. And last year I, you know, I had a great show and I was double clear both days in the six-year-olds, but I still didn't qualify. So it's like, it's really cutthroat, um, but I'm bringing two horses there this year. So hopefully if all goes well, I'll qualify. And, but yeah, that's my last goal of 2022. And as for 2023, I'm, trying not to plan that far ahead mm. just because mm-hmm. it is it is far enough ahead and if I've learned anything about horses it's things are always changing so <laughs> um you know you can never predict where you'll be a month from now let alone you know six months but yeah you know I'd love to keep working with my young horses and just keeping things keeping things the same and hope for the best and we're actually, I'm getting married next year too. So oh, congratulations. Thank you. A little bit of normality. So yeah, getting married in June. So yeah. Maybe have to like wedding plan a little bit. Or... Yeah. Yeah. We've, <laughs> I, I keep saying, I'm like, I actually feel like I've done a lot and like nice. my wedding planning is sort of finished, but I'm like, it's like famous last words. Like you'll oh, say yeah. that and all of a sudden it's, you know, everything at once. But, exactly. Um, yeah. No. So the wedding planning is going well. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say is something that you are passionate about the industry that you feel like other people either don't talk a lot about or don't know that much about? Yeah. I mean, obviously for me, my passion is the young horses. Um, It's hard for me to say that there's a lot of, you know, I'm passionate about a lot of things, but in this sport, that Mm -hmm. is something that I'm very passionate about. You know, being in America, it's hard to get people to be involved in the young horses as much as I think they should be. Hmm. Um, Obviously when you are passionate about something, you want people to also be passionate about it. And so I think that hopefully in the next few years, the U S starts to, you know, catch on to the development of horses and bringing horses along. It's, it's really beneficial to our sport and for the future of our sport in so many ways. So Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely a big part in continuing our sport and like continuing to see it thrive. And um, obviously, you know, makes sense with just the the continuation. And I mean, kind of going back on what you were saying about goal setting and the tendency, especially in our sport to look like so, so far ahead when you really never know, you know, you never know. We're working with a sport of horses that don't speak our language and can't tell us when something's up. It's so hard to really plan and to have something, you know, a year from now look like what you actually were envisioning. So I think that that's, that all kind of ties together with that is having um, the ability to 
um, you know, seek out some promising young horses and to be taking the time to develop them to have, you know, a, a program of horses. And it also, I think something that maybe really connects to your success is that you do have several young horses that you've been working with for a period of time and, and horses that you really know well, and you kind of know what their things are. And I think that that also, you know, ties in a lot to your success. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've been fortunate, of course, like I said, my mom was sort of the brains behind the young horses and, mm-hmm. and pushing it. And I've had great training with with Greg being on board with me. And, and it's it's a lot of puzzle pieces that were put together over time. And mm-hmm. so it's um it's been a great experience so far and things have been going well. So hopefully fingers crossed it keeps going well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I wish you the best of luck this week at the show and um, wish you all the best. We'll be continuing to watch your journey. Perfect. Thank you so much, Bethany. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.